to the Word tonight because that's uh, where we're at tonight is in Luke chapter 4. So you can go ahead and open your Word there. And then I'm going to pray and we're going to get going. Heavenly Father, we bless you tonight. We thank you, Lord, for the impartation of your Spirit. Lord, we thank you for the holy presence in our life. Lord, thank you that you are moving in our church and you are moving in our own lives. And Lord, we pray, God, that you would have your way tonight. Lord, we thank you for each and every uh, person that is here. And Lord, we pray that you would open up the eyes of our understanding, pour out your Spirit upon us, reveal your truth to us tonight. Lord, I ask tonight for that anointing to preach and teach as you desire. And Lord, we all ask for that anointing that we can hear and receive what the Spirit is speaking to us tonight. And Lord, we ask it in the mighty name of Jesus Christ. Everybody says, Amen. glory to God. Luke chapter 4, we're going to be beginning in verse number 1. We, we've kind of gone through these on Sunday nights, is these, these temptations that Jesus has been, that he endured uh, right after he was baptized of John the Baptist. And we're going to pick it up in verse number 1. It says, Jesus being full of the Holy Ghost, returned from Jordan and was led by the Spirit into the wilderness. Being forty days tempted of the devil, and in those days he did eat nothing. And when they were ended, he afterward hungered. And the devil said unto him, If thou be the Son of God, command this stone that it be made bread. Now, there's a lot that you want to get into on that, but for the sake of this message, I want you to see this reality is that Jesus, whenever he was hungry naturally, there's a correlation spiritually because you're not necessarily tempted in the natural when you're hungry. There's a spiritual implication to that hunger. Notice what happens in verse number four. Jesus answered him saying, it is written that man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word of God. So Jesus, when he's tempted on of, of food in the natural, he comes back with the spiritual food. And you see, one of the things that, that we see that's played out in this temptation is that God is calling us to look past the natural circumstances. Whenever we're enduring temptation, whenever we're in the trial, whenever we're in the fiery furnace, we can't look at the Nebuchadnezzars. We can't look at the fire. We can't look at the lion. We've got to look past that to the spiritual truth of the reality of the situation that we're in. And you see, if Jesus was just looking at the natural, he'd say, well, it's been 40 days. I hadn't had any food. I can turn that stone to bread. I'm hungry. Let's do this thing. But you see, there was a spiritual implication behind that. Amen. Because the devil wanted him to do it to prove who he was. God doesn't have to prove who he is. Amen. And that was the temptation. If you are the son of God, do this. He could have done it, but he wasn't going to do it because of the condition that the enemy put on it. But we learned something very valuable. The word of God is a daily necessity. You see, J Jesus says right there, you're not meant to live by bread alone. You, you're meant to live by every word that comes out of God's mouth. I want to tell you something. You've got a higher calling in life than living for meat, bread, and eggs. You've got a higher calling in life to live from paycheck to paycheck. 
You've got a higher calling in life than to get married, have kids, have a retirement, throw a party, go on a cruise, and then die. You've got a higher calling than that. Your higher calling is to live by the Word of God. The Word of God is a living Word. Amen? It causes life to come. It causes things that were dead to come alive. And God will do that in your life, but He's calling upon you, come on now, to not live by bread alone. You know, one of the problems in the church world today is people are living by bread alone. People are living by the here and now. They're living by the paycheck. They're living by what they can get out of somebody. They're living for the natural blessings. They're living for the temporal blessings. But God has something greater for us. That greater comes from the word of God. I want to tell you, you've got a higher calling in life. You can have, listen, you can have all the bread in the world. You can have a storehouse of bread. But if you don't have God, you don't have nothing. You can have all the bread in the world. You can eat till you're till you're just got bread coming out of your ears, but you're still you still could be starving in the spirit. And you know what we see in the world today? People are starving for the word of God. People are starving for the word of God. The Bible says in another place that people were they were in famine for the word of God. There was a famine in the land of the preaching of the word of God because people do not have that appetite for the spiritual. Amen. All they want is that natural. They want that natural attraction, that natural entertainment, that natural thing. But I'm telling you, God's created you for a higher purpose. God has created you for a higher purpose. Bread alone is how the vast majority of people live. Bread alone. That's how the vast majority of people live is just simply by bread alone. How's it going today? Well, I, I, you know, I had a good lunch. How's it going today? Oh, the weather's okay. How's it going today? Well, my sports ball team won. How's it going today? Well, you know, uh, boss is doing like this and boss is doing like that. You know what? You've got a higher calling than to live by bread alone. See, so many people live for the here and now. And there's other, the child of God is supposed to be living by faith and not by sight. Amen. We're supposed to be living by what God has said, not by what we see in the here and now. And so many people are locked into the here and now. You talk to them, all they can talk about is the weather, sports, TV, money, politics. All they can talk about is the here and now. But I'm telling you, God has called you for a higher purpose. God has called you for a higher purpose than to live for these vain things. These vain things. God has called you to yearn for souls. Amen. Jesus said he called you to be a fisher of what? Houses, cars, jets, money, retirement, politicians. He said he called you. He said, follow me and I'll make you a fisher of men. That's your calling. Your calling is to be a fisher of men. Now, you may not be walking in that calling, but I want to tell you, as a believer, that's the calling. The Great Commission is the calling. You, you've been called to know God, love God, follow God. And he said, if you follow me, I'll make you a fisher of men. That's the deal. A lot of times we, we want to follow God, but where are you following him to? Because I want to tell you where he's going. He's going to lead you to the hurting. He's going to lead you to the blind. He's going to lead you to the lame. He's going to lead you to those that are in bondage. He's going to lead you, and he'll use you to set the captive free. He will use you to set the captive free. But you've got to get out of this natural bread mindset. This natural bread mindset's got to go. Amen. We need God to be our source of life, not bread. We need God to be our source of life. That's, what, that's, that's really kind of where, where Jesus came back with this. He's like, you know what? Natural bread is not my source. 
It is God that is my source. That's what we truly need. Whenever we're fasting, that's what we're telling God. When we fast and pray, and you should fast as the Lord leads. But when you fast, what you're truly telling God is, Lord, you're my source. And I need you to move in this issue more than I need natural substance. More than I need the natural things of life, I need you to move in this thing. Well, you see, Jesus said uh, th- this verse, and I, I want to tell you, this, this is a, there's a corresponding verse. If you want to take, I'll take you over there, Deuteronomy chapter 8. Turn with me to Deuteronomy chapter 8 in the Old Testament. I want to show you this. Hallelujah. Turn with me to Deuteronomy chapter 8, and we're going to go down to verse number 3. This is what Jesus was talking about. It says in verse 3, it said, And he humbled thee, and suffered thee to hunger, and fed thee with manna, which thou knewest not. Neither did thy fathers know, that he might make thee know that man does not live by bread only, but by every word that proceedeth out of the mouth of the Lord doth man live. You see, God has called the, the, the people of God to live for a higher purpose than to just be carried about about the natural substance. He's called you to live by his very word. That manna came from heaven at his word. He commanded. He spoke that word into existence. He commanded that manna to come, and man was living off of that manna. The, the, the thing is, is people get locked in on the manna, but what you need to get locked in is the promise. Is that if, if you're in a place where you have a need, God will provide that need by his very word. He spoke that thing and that manna came to being. Well, this is the verse that Jesus was quoting. But how many of you know Jesus is the bread of life? Amen. So we're not only needing just to, to do that, but we need to talk about how Jesus is the manna. He's the bread of life. He's the substance that we are. He is the word of God made flesh. Amen. He's the word of God made flesh. And I want to tell you, there's some people today that, that they know a lot about the word, but they're not, they're not feasting on the word of God. They know a lot about God intellectually. They know a lot about God. They can articulate the, you know, they can articulate systematic theology and they can talk about, about this and they can talk about that. But how many of you know that's far different than actually partaking of those things? Amen. It's far different to know that, that, that God is a healer. It's far different to know that God is a healer than to actually be healed and to trust God for healing. Amen. That's when that word comes alive in your life. That's when that word comes alive. Turn with me to John chapter 6. John chapter 6. Hallelujah. Jesus is that bread of life. So he was just talking about the manna. And Jesus is that bread of life. Beginning in verse 32, John chapter 6, beginning in verse number 32. It says, Then Jesus said unto them, Then Jesus said unto them, Verily, verily, I say unto you, Moses gave you not that bread from heaven, but my Father giveth you the true bread from heaven. So who gave the bread? Moses? See, they got locked in on Moses. Moses gave us the manna. No, Jesus said, Moses didn't give you nothing. Moses didn't give you nothing. That came from the throne of God. That came from the Father. And look what he says in verse 33. For the bread of God is he 
The bread of God is he which cometh down from heaven and giveth life unto the world. See, they were locked in on a cracker, but he's telling you, look, you, you, you missed the point. But you see, the point of a healing is not, oh, God touched my mind. I don't have my headache anymore. I've been healed. No, the, the point of it is, is that he's my healer. He's my healer. He knows what I'm going through. He loves me. He cares for me. He's compassionate. He'll take time out of keeping the world spinning. He'll take time out of keeping the birds in the air and the fish in the water. He'll take time out of his busy schedule to tend to me because he loves me because I'm one of his sheep. That's the point. That's the point. Jesus says, he said there, he said, the bread of God is he which cometh down from heaven and giveth life unto the world. Then they said unto him, Lord, evermore, give us this bread. And Jesus said unto them, I am the bread of life. He that comes to me shall never hunger, and he that believeth on me shall never thirst. You see, Jesus was taking that manna, and now he's pointing to himself. I took you over there to Deuteronomy so that you could see the whole correlation, because Jesus is the manna from heaven. Amen. Every day, every day, the tribe of, of Israel, every day they would have to go out and they would collect manna for the day. They couldn't collect too much manna. They couldn't collect too little. But listen to me. They had to go get what they needed for that day. And when they went and, and did what God told them to do, he provided for their every need that day. Amen. There was only one day of the week that they could get a double portion, and that was on Friday. They got a double portion. They scooped up double on Friday so that they didn't have to go out on Saturday on the Sabbath. But listen, the way that God designed it is when it's Monday morning, he's going to provide your need that day. Amen. He's not going to give you Tuesday's portion on Monday. That's why I always tell people God never, I don't believe God is into the savings account thing. God never promised you money in a savings account. He did promise to be your provider. He did promise to be your provider. Amen. Sometimes, you, you know, you look at that woman that, that didn't have any oil, and God blessed that oil and multiplied that oil as much as she poured out. God just kept pouring and pouring and pouring and pouring through that thing. And, you know, that's what God promises, is to provide for your needs. And he says right here, I am that manna. And the nation of Israel, they would go out daily, and they would collect what they needed for that day. I want to ask you a question real quick. I want to ask you a question. How often can we say, you know what, we truly go out and seek manna, fresh manna from God every day. We truly go out and we seek fresh manna from God every day. You know, there was a, a, a people that came to Jesus and were, you know, contending with him, the Pharisees. And Jesus told them this. He said, you are they. He said, you draw near, right, with your lips, but your heart is far from Amen. They would draw near with their words. They would draw near with the actions. They had the, the outward manifestation, but their heart was far from God. And Jesus could see that. He saw that. He was like, you know what? You're not fooling anybody. You can say the right words, but you don't have the heart. You don't have the heart. And you know where the heart comes from? 
It comes from digging down daily, getting that fresh manna from God daily. You see, God's drawing you to the place to where you go to him every day to fill your soul up. God will God will touch your soul. He'll rekindle that fire. He'll light something inside of you. But you are going to have to go every day out there and gather that manna from heaven and, and, and receive what God has for you. And the reason why people today need entertainment instead of God, the reason why people need entertainment instead of God is because they don't have manna. If you don't have manna, you need entertainment. If you don't have manna, you need something the world can give you. You're going to be like, you would have failed that test Jesus went in. You would have made that stone turn into bread, and you would have sold the tickets to, for people to watch you do it for $5 like they do it today. You would be selling those tickets so people could see you do that thing. But you see, God's called you to a higher purpose, to where you're going after God. You're seeking after God. You're hungry for God. You're thirsty for God. You're seeking God with all all your heart, all your mind, all your soul. You're going for him. And as you go, he, listen, he is faithful to give you what you need. I want to tell you something. There's things in life that people don't know what I need. Sometimes I wake up in the morning and I don't even know what my problem is. I don't even know what I need, but I have a God that knows what I need. Amen. I have a God that knows exactly what my need is. And sometimes I don't even know what the problem is. So you can ask me and I, maybe I need to get a cup of coffee, but I still don't know what the problem is, but I have a God that does. And I can go down on my face. I can get down on my knees and I can cry out to Jesus and I know that his finger will come down from heaven and he'll touch my soul and he'll put within me manna from heaven and fill my soul and touch me in a way that no man can. That's what we're talking about and that's what the world needs today. The world needs today. You know, sometimes you just got to understand this. You, you cannot cancel, you cannot counsel People out of not hungering for God. You can't do it. Either people are hungry for God or they're not. It's just like I was talking about this morning, that old saying, you can lead a horse to water, but you can't make him drink. And you know what? God will wait you out. God will wait you out. If you don't have the power of God on your life, if you don't have the fire of God on your life, if you don't have zeal for God in your life, I want to tell you something. God will draw back from you. God will take a step back, and he'll wait on you to come after him. Now, when you come after him, he will fill you up. Amen to overflowing. He will clothe you in the power of the spirit but God will wait you out until you're hungry for him God is jealous and he will not share he will not share real estate in your heart he he refuses to have you serve two masters he refuses to be a participator in idolatry God will wait you out until there's nothing else there until you've emptied yourself of self until you've emptied yourself of world until you've emptied yourself of all of the idolatry of the world and then you come after God and he'll fill you. Amen. Amen. People, people mistake. Listen, people mistake this because sometimes we think I need, I need to go see what brother so-and-so preached on last week, or I need to read this new book and I need to go watch this and I need to go to that comfort. No, what you truly need is to eat from the word of God. What you truly need is manna from heaven. What you truly need is Jesus. What you truly need is to go out and gather the bread, the manna from heaven. You need to go out and have a meeting with Jesus every day every day what that's why so many people in the church world are hurting is because they're not going after god 
They're not going after God. People in the church world are hurting. You know, in the church, we have the higher divorce rate than in the world. We have things going on in the church. that They say that pornography is higher in the church than in a lot of men's groups. I mean, we have ungodliness. We have abortion in the church. We have all kinds of things. We have pastors running off with the piano players, and we have just all kinds of things. Why? Because we're not getting manna from heaven. Because we're feasting on the world. We're going out. We're, we're living in the pig pen. We're eating the slop of the world. We're feasting on the things of the world. And then the, the Lord said to guard your heart because out of it are the issues of life. You wonder why stuff's coming out that's not right because you're putting things in that aren't right. It's not rocket science. It's not rocket science. I said, if you, if you guard your heart, listen, if you guard your heart, you're going to see things change. Guard it. Make sure what comes into your heart is something of God. And if you're not getting manna, keep going out in there. Keep going and looking, digging down, and God will fill your basket. Amen. God will fill your basket. He will not be mocked. He will not be mocked. Whatsoever a man sows, come on somebody, that shall he what? Reap. Whatever a man soweth, that shall he reap. If you sow to the flesh, you shall of the flesh reap corruption. But if you sow to the Spirit, come on somebody, you shall of the Spirit reap what? Life everlasting. You want to know why we're not reaping a harvest in the church world? You want to know why we're not walking in the power of the Spirit? Because we're not sowing to the Spirit, but we're sowing to the flesh. We're not going out there and gathering the, the spiritual manna. We're not going after God. We're not getting a fresh word from God. I want to tell you something with all the love, tender, uh, compassion that a pastor can say this, but you don't need a pastor every day. Amen? Jesus is your pastor. Jesus is your high. He is, your, he is the good shepherd. Jesus is the one that you need. Amen. Now, I'm, I'm, not, I'm not dissing pastors because we need pastors in the church. We need pastors with a backbone and a touch from God. But what you need is you need Jesus. You need Jesus. You need a word from God for you. Amen. You need a word for God from you. You can't live off a of manna from Sunday to Sunday. Somebody say amen. You can't live off, you can't live off a of manna from Sunday to Sunday. You need manna tomorrow morning. You need manna tomorrow morning, and I'm probably not going to be there. But I know someone who will, and his name is Jesus. And if you'll get down on your face tomorrow and you go after Jesus, he will fill your basket with manna. He will give you a fresh revelation. He will give you a fresh impartation. He will give you what you need. Amen? Amen. Hallelujah. What a God we serve. That's why a lot of people, they don't, they don't receive because they're not sowing to the Spirit. Turn with me. I want to show you something in Proverbs chapter 28. Amen. That was just the introduction. Now we're going to get into it. Proverbs chapter 28. See, the riches of God's word are reserved for those that seek him. The word of God says this in 1 Corinthians, that the, 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 the word of God is a spiritual book. It's spiritually discerned. We, 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 we're not going to intellectualize and analyze the word of God and get the depth of what God wants us to have. 
You, you can intellectualize and analyze it all you want. You can be analytical with the Word of God and look at all oh, every, you know, every sixth word is this and, and every second chapter is that and who wrote this and what year did they write it. You can, you can psychoanalyze it. You can identify this, and ide- but you're not going to get the depth of what God wants. The manna, the manna comes with a seeking heart. The manna comes with a seeking heart. You hear me? The manna comes, and what you need and what I need is manna. What we need is manna. We need Jesus to make this word real. Amen. I want to tell you that what, I, what the church world right now is built on is pats on the back. I mean, we're, we've been built upon entertainment, pats on the back, you know, note cards, balloons, cotton candy. We've been built on the tapestries of the world. But what will sustain your soul is manna from heaven. That's what you need. You need fresh manna. You need a word from God. And I want to tell you, God loves you. He's no respecter of persons. I don't know what your past is, but I know who my God is. And if you come to him and you've been cleansed by the blood of the lamb, he will open up the treasures of heaven. He will open up the windows of heaven and he will make himself known to you. He will show you who he is. He will reveal to you who he is. He will show you how good he is. He will show you how merciful he is. He will show you how kind and compassionate he is. He will show you how holy he is. He will show you the depth he went to redeem you. He will show you that he still gives second chances and third chances. He will show you his goodness and his nature when you come with a seeking heart. And you'll never get that from an analytical standpoint. See, that's why those Pharisees, when they came to Jesus, he said, he said, you draw near with your mouth, but your heart's far from me. You know, far be it from us to think that we're any better than that. We cannot allow ourselves to get caught in the trap of drawing near to God with our mouth, but not with our heart. Far be it from us to think we're any better but yeah, the riches of God's word are reserved for those that hunger. I want to show you Proverbs chapter 28, verse number 19. It says, he that tilleth his land shall have plenty of bread. But he that followeth after vain persons shall have poverty enough. Now, we just talked about how bread in the Word of God, he's talking about something higher. He's talking about a spiritual concept here. Now, how many of you know that whenever you till the land, you don't just automatically get bread? Amen? You got to put stuff in the ground, right? And and you got to water the ground, right? And you got to watch over the ground, right? I mean, it's not like you just till the ground and then you look in the bread box and there's bread. There's things that got to happen, but the Lord's teaching you a spiritual concept. You know what it is? If you want to eat from the, from the bread of life, if you want to eat from the manna from heaven, you're going to have to till the ground. You know what that means? That means you're going to have to cultivate this walk with God. You're going to have to seek the Lord. Part of the, the, the nature of tilling, I don't know if you've ever tilled, but it's not fun. Unless you have a tractor, then it's fun. But if, if you've ever tilled, let me tell you this. It is like this. You've got to remove things that aren't necessary so that you can put in things that are necessary. Did you hear that? And in the spirit, in order for you to cultivate this walk with God, I've got to remove things out of my life. I've got to remove things. I can't sit there and watch Cartoon Network 24-7 and expect to have the mind of Christ. 
Amen. I've got to remove things. I've got to let the tiller go and begin to remove things so that godly things can come in. I've got to allow the Lord to put his finger on things that need to be that need to be removed so that I can go deeper. How many of you none of none of us have gone to the depth that God wants us to get to? There's a deeper walk for all of us. Even Paul said that he has not attained, but he was reaching forth. Amen. For that prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. And I want to tell you this. God is looking for people to hunger and thirst for him. Are you willing to till? Are you willing to have the Lord do a little bit of tilling in your life? Some of us, some of us, we haven't gathered manna in a long time. You can't live off a pastor's manna. You got to get down in there and you've got to have fresh manna for you. So many of us, we don't have victory. We don't have a, we don't have a song. We don't have a shout. You know, the scripture says, let the redeemed of the Lord say so. Some of us, we got to check with pastor before we can do it. Am I redeemed? Can I say so? But you know what? You've got to have that intimacy with God so that when the, when you read that word, it begins to ignite something in you and you say yeah let the redeemed of the Lord say so I'm going to tell somebody I've been redeemed amen like that song says you know when they ask you what my name is just tell them I am redeemed amen but you know we you don't have that until you have that ignition take place and that comes from cultivation and many people today are not growing in the spirit they're not walking in the power of God they're not growing in the things of God because they're not tilling the land they're not cultivating this walk with God amen they're not cultivating it. It says, it says that he that tilleth his land shall have plenty of bread. This is a cultivating heart. You've got to come to this place where you understand God's looking for you to cultivate your walk with him. Sometimes, sometimes we, need to, we need to just shut ourselves in and pray and fast. Sometimes we need to shut ourselves in and be diligent about reading the word of God. You know, we're coming up on a new year. Everybody starts a new reading plan at the beginning of the year. I encourage you to do it. Do it. Do it well. You know, some we, we've done the four, read the word four times in a year. Read the word two times in a year. Read the Bible, you know, over the course of a year. Whatever the case is, but get the word. But the thing is, is you, you need to go after it with a seeking heart. See, we, we can't just go and, and read words. Amen. We've got to allow that word to read us. We've got to allow the finger of God to touch us. Amen. What I, I don't need my mind to be filled with empty words. I need my heart to be touched by the hand of God. I need the heavenly touch on my life. Amen. And so what we need is we need to be hungry. And so he says, he that tilleth his land shall have plenty of bread. And that's the reason why there's so many people, they don't have they don't have the power of God on their life. They don't have the presence of God in their life. They don't have purity. They don't have a pure walk with God. Is because they will not till the land. They will not dig down. They will not cultivate this walk with God. But it says in the very next part of the verse, it says, He that followeth after vain persons shall have poverty enough. You know what? There's a lot of people that are walking in poverty spiritually. If, if, you deny, if you deny the work of the Holy Spirit, if you, if you refuse to cultivate that land, if you refuse to hear what the Lord is saying, you'll begin to, you'll begin to grow in poverty spiritually. And many people are, are, are in poverty spiritually. Like I said, those, those Pharisees were. They were, they were uh, quick to say words, but they didn't have a heart for God. And you know what? Don't get into that place. God wants to take you to a place where he feeds your soul. 
Amen, where he feeds your soul. Vain people, what are vain people? It says if you follow after vain persons, you'll have poverty enough. You know what that means to me? That means no matter how much I know, no matter how much I think I know, if I'm still going after the vain things of life, I'm not going to grow in the things of God. In other words, I can't, have, I can't have one foot in the kingdom of God and one foot in the kingdom of Satan. Amen. If I'm going to go after God, I'm going to grow in the things of God. But if I continually go after the things of the world, I'm not going to grow in spiritual things. I'm going to come into a poverty place. And like I said, God even confirms that in the book of Galatians because he said, whatsoever a man sows, that shall he reap. You see this in this passage. Whatsoever a man sows, that shall he reap. This one guy in the beginning of it, he tilled the land and he got bread. The other guy, he followed vain persons and he started starving. You want to know why we need all the tapestries in our church world today? Because we're starving spiritually. We don't have manna. We don't have the word of God. We don't have the anointing of God. And when you don't have those things, you have to have other things take their place. It's a smokescreen. It's a smokescreen. So he says here, he said, he that followeth after vain persons shall have poverty enough. Vain people and vain living will lead to spiritual poverty. Vain people and vain living will lead you into spiritual poverty. Now, I want to take you to Titus chapter 3. Titus chapter 3. Turn with me over there. You know, uh, one, of, one of my heroes that I, I love to to listen to or read is is brother Ravenhill and one of the things that he said one time was astounding to me he said this he said do you know that the great giants of the faith like A.W. Tozer Charles Spurgeon you know the 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 great giants of the faith D.L. Moody all these guys you know what their bible was not any thicker than ours They didn't have a secret chapter that we hadn't got to yet. They went into a secret place we hadn't got to. You see, the the same Bible that we have now is the same Bible they studied. But they got more out of it than we do. Because we're not tilling the ground. And you see, we have to get to that place to where we're hungering and thirsting for the Word of God. Because what what you need, and you know, what you need, you, you really don't even need me. What you need is Him. You need Jesus. I need Jesus. And what we need is a fresh word from Jesus. And you're not you're you're going to get it out of this. That's one of the reasons again we leave all the lights on. We leave the lights on in worship, we leave the lights on during our service. You know why? Because what you need is found in that book. It is the word of God. Amen. You need the presence of God. You need the power of God. You need the purity of God. And it's going to come from the word of God, from the manna of God for your soul. I'm not talking about natural bread that you eat with your mouth. I'm talking about that which you eat with your heart, that you draw near to God and he touches your soul and he renews you by the power of that manna. Amen. Titus chapter three, verse number eight. Titus chapter 3, verse number 8. It says, this is a faithful saying, and these things I will that thou affirm, and constantly, that they which have believed in God might be careful to maintain good works. These things are good and profitable unto men. Now, see, God wants you to be careful. You know what that is? That's tilling the ground. 
When God says he wants you to be careful, guys, guess what? He wants you to be careful. That means that God wants you to be diligent about these good works. He wants you to make sure that you're tilling the ground, that you're keeping things fresh, that you're keeping things tilled up, that you're staying in the spirit, that you're still pursuing him. Be careful to maintain these things. You know, don't let the fire go out. Don't let the fire of God burn out. You know, God is looking at, 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 at each and every person in the world today, and he's looking for someone to come after him with a yearning in their heart. You see, what, what, got, what got David in the Bible is because he was a man after God's heart. It wasn't because he was a man that had all the intellectual understanding. It wasn't because he was a man with all the know-it-alls and all this. It was because he was a man after God's heart. I believe, you know, he wrote so many of the Psalms of the Bible. We sing some of them, but he wrote all of those Psalms in the Bible. You know why? Because he had a heart for God. He woke up and he had a heart for God. He had a love for God. He wanted to draw near to God. He talked to God daily, and that's where those things came forth from. But you know what? I believe a lot of the music that's written today, it just comes from, does this word fit in here? Does it rhyme? Does this word fit over there? Have we used this song lately? Is this catchy enough? Can we sell that one? Can we market this one? It comes from a totally different character. And you know what? People in the church world today are so manna-starved, they can't tell the difference between a psalm and a song that is written to make people rich. People today, they, I'm telling you, I, I believe that on Judgment Day, we're going to be in trouble for the, for the selling the music and selling the, I, I truly believe it. I don't believe that God, I don't, I don't believe that God is in one iota of us selling our worship. I don't. Titus chapter 3, it says, he wants you to be careful. This is verse 8. He wants you to be careful to maintain good works. Don't let your guard down. Don't Look, just because the world's doing it, just because everybody else is doing it, it don't give you the right to do it. If you know what's right and you know what's wrong, I want to tell you something. You better follow the Lord in it. If you know what's right and you know what's wrong, you better do what's right, whatever the cost is. You see, uh, when Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, when they were put before that, that fiery furnace, they were supposed to bow down to that to that statue every and it it doesn't record any other jew not bowing down in other words every other jew said well everybody else is doing it i don't want to cause a stir but i want to tell you if you're going to be careful to maintain good works you're going to have to go against the grain of the world you're going to have to go against the grain of the world if you can if you can live your life if you can live your life following God, and the world is not giving you any problems. I think there's a misunderstanding. There's a, there's a disconnect in the Word of God and in your steps because this world is antithetical to God. It says that this world is antithetical to God. If you make yourself a friend of the world, you made yourself an enemy of God. All right. So God wants you to be careful to maintain good works. How many of you know that it's one thing to start, but it's another thing to finish? You start, you start riding a bicycle in order to maintain that bicycle up. You got to keep pedaling, don't you? Right? And I want, you know what? I talked, I talked greatly, uh, extensively this morning about how God doesn't change. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. It's the same God. Amen? 
The same God that delivered the nation of Israel is the same God that's right here, right now. Same God. Same God. But we coming at him in different ways. You see, they needed God for bread. They, they literally needed God or they would die. They needed God for shoes or they wouldn't have any shoes. They needed God in a way, but most people today, they don't need God like that. We just want God for something. We use God for a 911 call when things aren't going right. We, we use God for a genie in a bottle when we need something. God's waiting on us to get past that stage of using him as a 911 call and to get to that place where he is our life. Maintain good works. You started out as a Christian, you started out in a place of surrender to God. You gave yourself to God. You surrendered your life to him. You gave up that old man and he gave you a new life. He gave you a new beginning. He made you a new person. Amen. And God said, maintain that good work. The way that you started out in your faith is the way you're supposed to keep going in this thing. You started out at the cross being filled by the spirit of God. And that's the same way you're supposed to go the people today that doesn't sell books the same gospel that saved you is the same gospel that'll maintain you but you've got to be careful to maintain that gospel the gospel don't change the gospel don't change but you can't sell books by saying that i mean how how many how many books do you really need to write about how to ride a bicycle come on somebody help me out here how many books can you go to a library and check out about how to ride a bicycle? You get on, you pedal. Don't stop pedaling or it'll stop. And you know what? It's the same way in this thing. It's the same way in this thing. The same way you got into this faith is the same way you maintain this thing. You went to the cross. You died to self. You were risen to new life. And the Holy Ghost came down upon you. And the same way you started is the same way you're going to maintain. That's the way you're going to make it to the end. That's the way God started it. That's the way God's going to finish it. Last time I checked, God doesn't change. He's the same God. And he works the same way. It's that old rugged cross, that old time gospel and the new wine coming down from heaven and i want to tell you that's the thing that god wants you to do is to maintain good works don't be moved off of that you don't need what the pimps are selling when you've got the real thing when you've got the spirit of god upon you you don't need something lesser than i don't need a biscuit i need a manna from heaven i don't need something that a man can give me i need something god can give me and that only comes when i go back to that cross and i get down on my face and i get down on my knees and i cry out and i say lord i need a fresh touch from heaven and that fresh touch comes Amen. That fresh touch comes. How many books can we write about how to ride a bicycle, guys? And, that, and you want to know why there's so many? You go into a Christian bookstore, there's a plethora of books, book after book after book after book after book after book. And you know what? The greatest thing we can do is finish this race the same way we started. Don't be moved off your hope. Don't begin to be moved by the flesh. Don't begin to grow weary in well-doing. We will reap if we faint not. God is faithful. He is true. Amen. And he, he will guide you to the very end. But you've got to be careful to maintain those good works. Amen. You've got to be careful to maintain those good works. Don't take your foot off the pedal. You've got to keep pedaling. 
Here's the other thing about riding the bicycle. Amen. Here's the other thing. If you stop pedaling, where does the bicycle go? Come on, somebody. Amen. Goes off track. Don't go where it's supposed to go. In the same way, if you're, if you're not seeking the Lord daily, if you're not going after that manna from heaven, you're not going to receive what you truly need. You hear me? If you're not going after God daily, if you're not seeking that fresh word from God daily, if you're not seeking a fresh impartation from the Holy Spirit daily, then you're not receiving what you need to maintain. You're going to have to end up propping up self. You're going to have to end up forging something, making something, forcing something. You're going to have to end up being a religious zealot. You're going to end up doing that. You see, he says at the very end of this, he said, these things are good and profitable unto men. Verse number nine, but avoid foolish questions and genealogies and contentions and strivings about the law, for they are unprofitable and vain. That's our word. When we were in Proverbs 28, it said, if you follow after vain persons, you'll go to what? Poverty. Poverty. This is our word, vain. And notice, there's these four categories there. Avoid foolish questions. All of these things are following vain things. What's a foolish question? What's a foolish question? You know, there's a lot of people with foolish issues. There's a lot of people with foolish issues. I've heard, I've heard a plethora of if foolish issues. But really and truly what a foolish issue is is when it's not pertinent to, to, to your walk in God. Amen. That's a, that's a foolish issue. You know what? We have no business with foolish issues. I, I'm so tired of the church getting caught up in foolish things. We, we don't need to be selling Christmas ornaments. We don't need to be signing people up for political parties. We don't need to be giving political speeches. You know what we need to do? We need to be filled with the Holy Ghost and preaching this holy word. We need to be seeing lives touched by the hand of God, not by the hand of men. We need to see God move, and God moves when, when we are moved by his spirit and we preach his word. But people, they go about these foolish questions, and they begin to get off into foolish things and, and, and contentions. It says, that next part it says uh, genealogies genealogy you know this is a big thing right now well the true jew is you know somebody that was born in this country and somebody that looks like this and you know if you're not like us then you're not one of those you know god said the genealogy thing was dismissed at the cross Amen. the genealogy thing was dismissed at the cross that, that wall of separation has been torn down by the cross. When, when that veil was rent from top to bottom, God said there's no more separation between the Jew and the Gentile. He invites all, each and every person, red, yellow, black, or white, male, female, Greek, Scythian, barbarian, don't matter your background, don't matter your foreground, God invites each and every person. He said all are welcome to come, amen? All are welcome to come. Amen. All are welcome to come. It's not about genealogies anymore. It's not about genealogies. There was a day and time when you had to have the right genealogy to come to the temple of God. You had to have the right thing. Even in, even in right now, this old demonic lie is coming back into the world. People are using genealogy to divide the children of God. God said that's foolish and it's vain. And you know what it'll lead you to? Spiritual poverty to a t every person that i've ever known that got caught up 
in genealogies was a drunk person. They, they used filthy language. They cursed. They were racist. They had all kinds of ungodliness about them, but you didn't know it at the beginning. But they were profane, and they went into spiritual poverty because they allowed themselves to get caught up in foolish, vain things. So we see here that God's called you to not go after foolish questions. God's called you to not be about genealogies and not to be about contentions. You know that you can, you can raise a contention about everything. You can, raise a, you can raise a contention about everything. Well, you know what? I, I just don't think that, you know, uh, we should be having uh, trumpets in church because, you know, I, I, I don't see that in the New Testament. And, you know, y'all are totally unbiblical bringing trumpets into the church. You can contend about anything. Well, you know what? They didn't have air conditioning in the church either. They didn't have electricity in the first church. Come on, somebody. You really think they had padded pews in the first century? How far are we going to go on this thing? You can raise a contention about everything, but the only thing you better get a rise up out of is when somebody starts trying to get you out the way, when somebody starts leading you astray from the Word of God. Amen. But you can get into this thing, it's a, and it's a spiritual poverty. People get into contentions like that when they're not filled with the Holy Ghost. When you're not filled with the Holy Ghost, you start picking and fighting about every little thing. Amen. I, I tell you what, I, I've, I've you know, talked to a, a, a fair number of people before about this. And, and um, I tell you what, whenever somebody starts having an issue with somebody else, which I, I thank God I haven't had to this, have this kind of counseling lately. It's been years since I've had to do this. But, but, but when you have one camp just so outraged at the other camp, Say, when was the last time you went to the altar and got filled with the Holy Ghost? When, when was the last time you got on your face and let tears hit that altar? When, when was the last time you really got a touch from heaven? I want to know. Because if you did, you won't have this contention. You won't have this contention. You, that, that contention will be gone when the Spirit of God comes. And the Spirit of God is not going to come until you let that thing go. Amen. Don't grieve the spirit of God. Don't quench the spirit of God. Amen. But people today, they, they get caught up in contentions and they wonder why they're not growing spiritually. You're not going to grow spiritually if you're always in a contention. Well, pastor didn't shake my hand. Nobody said bye to me. Uh, you, you can get in a contention about everything. Trumpets shouldn't be used. They shouldn't have this kind. They shouldn't do this. You get in a contention about that. But, what, but when it comes to the things that are in the word of God, that's what we contend with. We contend with spiritual things. Amen. If somebody starts preaching a false gospel, if somebody starts pimping the gospel, if somebody starts lying about God, those are the things that we contend about. Amen. Those are the things we contend about. And it says the last one is the strivings about the law. That's, uh, you know, a lot of people today are trying to get people to go back into the law. But what they were really doing in this, this portion of Scripture is they would magnify. They would magnify the things that were easy to do, and they would ignore the things that were hard to do. Jesus talked about that. He said that you, you strain at a gnat and swallow a camel because they were all about the tithe. They were all about the tithe. They were all about those things, but they didn't really care too much about mercy and judgment and, and things like that. 
And you know, sometimes whenever we get, whenever we're not filled with the Holy Spirit and we're not walking in the Spirit of God, we can start magnifying the little things. We can start, come on now. We can start magnifying the little things. And God, God wants us, God wants us to not do that. He wants us to be complete. And that's only going to happen as we grow in the Spirit of God. Notice what he says, though, at the very end. It says, these things are unprofitable and vain. Unprofitable. Too many people in the church today are unprofitable. Too many people in the church are unprofitable in the things of God. You know what? One thing we need is to be profitable in the Spirit, is to receive manna daily for our soul. Amen. You can't get that from the Hallmark Channel. You can't get that from yesterday's manna. It's such a great illustration. Paul tells us in 1 Corinthians that these things were written in the Old Testament for our ensample so that you can know God told the nation of Israel to go gather manna daily so that people here today would know to go to him daily. Don't settle for living by bread alone. God designed you for a higher calling than to live by bread alone. There's a calling on your life to yearn, to long for something greater than a biscuit, but to go after God, to let go of the world and get a fresh glimpse from God. You know, the word of God says when Moses went up on that mountain to meet with God, his face lit up. It shined. It was so bright. He had to put a veil over his face. It was so great. That glory was on Moses. He he just had a, 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 a touch upon his life. He had zeal upon his life. He had that touch. He had the glory of God on him. And you know what? God's inviting you to come in that same way. You see, Moses could only know God in a way that we, we, we today can know God in a way even greater. See, Moses could only come so close to God. But now we've got a chance to where God will come inside you. See, Moses could only know God a little bit. He could only come up to that mountain every now and then. And every now and then, God would come down on that mountain, and he could have a visit with God. He could have a talk with God. Amen. How many of you know it's, it's one thing to go have a talk with somebody, but it's a totally different thing when you go and that somebody comes and lives inside you. Amen. The, the New Testament walk is a totally different thing. Moses could know a little, but we can know a lot. And God's inviting you. God's inviting you to come after him. You want to know why the church is in the condition it's in? It is in spiritual poverty because we are not seeking daily manna from heaven. Amen. And I want to tell you, if you will sow to the spirit, you will reap of the spirit. God is, God is waiting on some people to rise up. God is waiting on some people to rise up and say, you know what? Enough's enough. I'm tired of barely getting by. I'm, I'm tired. I'm tired of barely getting by. I'm tired of just struggling. I'm tired of trying to do this on my own. Because I want to tell you, what you truly need is a fresh touch from heaven. And God will supply that fresh touch from heaven. You don't have to have a secret knowledge about God. You don't have to have a, a deeper this. And you don't have to know Greek or Hebrew. You just got to know where that cross is. You just got to know if you'll bow your knee, if you'll humble yourself and cry out to God like David said, search me, O God. Try me, O God. See if there be any wicked way in me, O God. If you'll go to God daily and seek after Him that way, you won't need to learn Greek or 
or Hebrew or Latin. You just need to know humility. I want to tell you, tears are a language that God speaks. And the reason why so many of us aren't speaking in the Spirit, aren't moved by the things of God, is because we're not crying out for God. But if we want to see God move in this generation, we've got to be the ones. We've got to be the ones that get that manna. They get that manna. Amen? We need it. We need it. I want to tell you, there's people around you that need a touch from God, and they can get a touch from God through you. They can get a touch from God through you. See, the thing about Moses, he had to, he had to put that veil over his face, but they could tell when he had been with Jesus. They could tell when he had been with Jesus. Amen. And they could tell when he hadn't. They'd be like, ah, that shine's kind of gone down, Moses. You're not too shiny today. You might need to go back up that mountain. Yeah, there's a lot of people in the world today, they're not shining too much. We need to go back to that mountain. Amen. We need to go back to that mountain and get a touch from God. I'm telling you, we, we, we've got a higher calling than to be arguing about politics. We've got a higher calling than to be arguing about the dollar. We've got a higher calling than to be worried about a sports team. We've got a higher calling than all of these things. You know what that higher calling is? To get alone with God. And get a fresh touch from God. Amen? Manna. That's what we need. Amen? Raise your hand if you need some manna. Amen? Raise your hand if you if you stirred up a little bit so you're going to go after manna even tomorrow. How many of you going to go after manna tomorrow? Hallelujah. We, that's what we need. That's what we need. And I, I want to tell you, relationships, relationships will be better when we're going after manna. Situations will be better when we're going after manna. I'm, you know, there's a time, I remember, you know, you, you can go in, into bad circumstances, but when you got the joy of the Lord, I mean, the world can't shake that off of you. Amen. The world can't shake that off of you. When you've been stirred up and you got the joy of the Lord upon your life, the world cannot take that from you. The joy of the Lord is the strength of the church. And I want to invite you to come back to that place and receive that joy tonight. Amen. Hallelujah. Let's pray. Father, we bless you tonight. We thank you for the word. We thank you for the testimony of Scripture. Lord, we ask, Father, that you would search our hearts, Lord, that you would stir us up, that we would seek fresh manna, Lord, for our soul, that we would receive a fresh touch, O oh God, that you would be glorified, that your light, God, would come upon our countenance, that you would begin to do a work in us, a fresh work in us, O oh God. Lord, we ask it right now in the mighty name of Jesus Christ. If you need a touch from God tonight, raise your hand. Raise your hand if you need a touch from God tonight. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Lord, you see these hands lifted up tonight. We need a fresh touch from you. Lord, we thank you that you supply our every need. You love us, and you're inviting us to a deeper walk tonight, oh God. I pray you bless your people, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. If you need a touch from the Lord, you can come up to these altars and pray. Get along with Jesus right here at these altars and seek his face. If you want me to pray with you, I'll meet you in the middle.